Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. was rocked by some of the most highly publicised cheating scandals of the decade. So how exactly did the Beckhams survive it all and make a cool billion dollars in the process? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Mish, it is our third episode in our three-part series about Posh and Bex and about the cheating scandals that have riddled their marriage for decades. Unfortunately for Posh and Bex, we haven't quite got through all the cheating scandals yet. David, Victoria, if you listen, which I'm sure you do not, (laughs) don't tune into this episode. I mean, last week we did cover Rebecca Luz. We covered that entire story in depth, including her very gritty very salacious quotes to the media. She really did not hold anything back. Yeah, Rebecca Luz was David Beckham's former assistant and was the first woman to properly come out and allege these kinds of things happened with David Beckham. David Beckham gave a pretty half-hearted statement about it. He never, like, properly denied the allegations and Victoria, unfortunately, was forced to do some damage control press to ensure the world that their marriage was strong. Unfortunately things are about to get worse for one of the world's most famous couples. So let's rewind back to 2004. Let's do it. All right, Zara, like we said at the end of episode two, Rebecca Luz wasn't the only woman to come forward and allege that she had an affair with David Beckham. In the week following Rebecca's first story, several women emerged claiming to be ex-lovers of David's. Yes. Unfortunately for the couple, we had a Spanish supermodel by the name of Esther Cañadas who was supposedly seen kissing David in a nightclub before Rebecca Luz was ever on the scene. It was also reported that another woman by the name of Frida Carlson 
not to be confused at all with a 22-year-old skier by the name of Frida Carlson who is accidentally going to be caught up on this story. And would have been in like year one at the time or something. Oh, like barely even born. No, this Frida Carlson is a blonde Swedish model. She spent the night with David reportedly after he invited a bunch of models to his hotel room. And then around this time in 2004, another Spanish woman by the name of Nuria Bermudez was allegedly seen repeatedly visiting Beckham's hotel. Yeah. So So we have a a few women. There's a bit, there's a little bit going on. And to add to that little bit going on, we have an Aussie woman by the name of Sarah Marbeck. So this is one of the more serious cheating allegations that emerged around this time, obviously on top of Rebecca Lou's. We only ever learned of Sarah Marbeck's name after Rebecca Luz started speaking to the tabloids. It turned out, again, Sarah Marbeck's alleged affair with David Beckham preceded Rebecca Luz's affair with him. Neville Thurlbeck, the News of the World journal that we referenced many a time in episode two, was actually trying to cover the Sarah Marbeck-David Beckham affair allegation before he ever flew to Madrid to meet Rebecca Luz. Yeah, exactly. So Rebecca Luz happened after Sarah but we learned of Sarah after Rebecca, if that makes sense. Now, we have to rewind a little bit to tell this story, but in his memoir, Tabloid Secrets, Neville recounted being called into his editor's office at News of the World and being told he needed to fly to Australia in September 2003 to meet a young woman by the name of Sarah Marbeck. Now, she had claimed to friends that she and David Beckham had had an affair. So Neville Thurbeck had been flying all across the world To work out who was having an affair with David Beckham. I love that Neville's beat in the journalism game was just David Beckham and who David Beckham's having sex with. Exactly. So this actually happened well before Rebecca Luz was on the scene. News of the world again was so paranoid that another journalist would catch wind of the story, according to Neville, who said that even if a rival newspaper simply discovered my whereabouts, they would dispatch a reporter to try and find out what I was doing, suspecting a big story they could piggyback on. Again, it's very much like you're an undercover operator or something. (laughs) Neville flew to Melbourne and headed to the office of show business lawyer Mike Brereton. This suddenly feels very local to me. Like I we're know. involved in this story we're as well, Melbourne. He, as in Mike Brereton, was representing Sarah at the time. There, Neville and Sarah connected. At the time, she was 29 years old. She was mostly working as a model. The newspaper News of the World promised her £100,000 for her story if they could, importantly, substantiate it enough to publish it. So Neville spent two weeks in Melbourne. He interviewed Sarah for the story and tried to corroborate her allegations. And Sarah basically said that she and David first met at a party thrown by Singapore socialites during a Man U pre-season tour of the Far East in 2001. She says they met in about July 2001. Now, Sarah, who worked as a model for Armani and Gucci and Calvin Klein, said that she had been invited to this party through her modelling agency and she claimed that she spotted David walking down the stairs to the pool and went up to him. At one point in the night, they took a photo together, both Both of them are in white shirts and her arm is around his shoulder. Yeah, she says they started chatting and soon after, David supposedly reportedly asked her to meet him in a private movie theatre under the house. She says they sat up the back of the cinema and apparently he said, look, I don't usually do this, but I'd really like your company later tonight. Will you come to my room on your own? 
So he left the party on a Manu bus, Sarah says, and then Sarah said she stayed at the party for another half an hour trying to think about what to do before eventually deciding to meet David at his hotel. There she claimed they had passionate sex. Please, no. Why do we have to have descriptors about the sex? Why can't we just be told that it happened? I reckon News of the World would say to these women, if we're paying you £100,000 for your story, you've got to give us some juicy adjectives. You are not getting out of describing the sex to us. Sarah did say that she was besotted with David Beckham and had told him that she had plans to fly to Britain. She claimed that he actually gave her tickets to meet him at a football match on the 27th of March 2002 and after the match a guard came and asked if she was Sarah and then took her to the players tunnel where she met David again. Yeah so from there the affair reportedly continued David would text and call her and there was only really one gap in communication which coincided with when Victoria actually gave birth to the couple's second child Romeo on September 1 2002. Apparently these two, Sarah and David, had nicknames for each other. His nickname was Peter Pan, hers was Tinkerbell, and Victoria's was Wendy, and I hate the world. <laughs> Why? Sarah claimed that he, as in David, sent her hundreds of messages over two years from 2001 to 2003. According to one text message from the number, which was sent in January 2002, Victoria had discovered their raunchy text messages to each other Despite Victoria finding out, reportedly, Sarah says they kept in communication. Later that month, Sarah claimed that David Beckham texted her, I love you, X, as in kiss. (laughs) Thank you for that clarification. (laughs) Sarah did tell Neville Thurlbeck that, and I quote, I certainly didn't take our affair lightly and nor did he. This is probably the most famous father, family man and husband in the world and he changed my life. I know I meant something to him because on and off we continued our relationship month after month after month. When we made love, David told me, I know what we're doing is wrong, but I can't help it. By August 2002, the alleged affair was beginning to fade. It was kind of cooling off a little bit. The gaps between the messages were growing longer and longer. Neville says that he saw all of these text messages between Sarah and David, and it was kind of his mission to verify the veracity of Sarah Marbeck's claims. So she still had this football ticket that David Beckham supposedly gave her so that she could meet him later on in the players' lounge. She had known the correct hotel where the team stayed that night. So she kind of had details that were pretty on point, but not concrete enough. She also had photos of them together at that Singapore party. It wasn't quite strong enough or robust enough for News of the World to go ahead and publish. Yeah, exactly. So Neville said he didn't have enough proof after two weeks with Sarah. She tried to text David a few times to see if he would reply, but he didn't. And by October 2003, Neville had boarded a plane back to the UK. Now, It was only when Rebecca Luz came forward with her story that Neville said they finally had enough proof to confidently publish the article from Sarah. 
One of the phone numbers, it turns out, that Rebecca had allegedly received David's texts from was the same number that Sarah had received texts from. And to make matters worse for David Beckham, it was the same number that was written down in David's handwriting that we mentioned last episode on a piece of paper that Rebecca had. Uh, A week after Rebecca's story was published in April 2004, News of the World then ran another article with the headline, I'm Beck's lover number two. This time it was seven pages. So we're upping the ante. We only had five pages for Rebecca Luz. This was seven pages with Sarah Marbeck's graphic account of her alleged affair with David. Yeah, the story made international headlines, as I'm sure people can imagine. And Neville Thurlbeck actually won Scoop of the Year at the British Press Awards. One of the wildest parts to this story, though, is considering just how much money it cost to publish. Neville said from the time they met in September 2003 to when the story was eventually published in April 2004, they spent about £45,000 just on reporting expenses like hotels and food. So that's about 90-ish thousand Australian dollars. Now, that does not even include what they paid Sarah Marbeck in the end for that story and it doesn't even take into consideration the costs that they spent on the Rebecca Lou story. Big, big money. And let me say, I know that we often criticise tabloid media. We often say that the reports they publish can be nothing short of bullshit. I am impressed by Neville Thurlbeck's <laughs> desire for the truth. As trashy and as sugary and ridiculous as this story is, I'm impressed that he went, spent two weeks with a woman in Australia, had the kind of proof that he did of a David Beckham affair and yet chose not to publish it yet. Like it does show that even though he's a celebrity tabloid journalist, he does have a deep desire to make sure he can back up the claims that he makes in the paper. Yeah, exactly. And so this was all about April 2004. April 2004 was... Not a good month for the Beckhams. Not a great month for the Beckhams. It kind of felt like after April and the ensuing months, things settled a Mm. little bit until October 2004, about six months later. And just when the Beckhams thought they had endured the last of it for that year, a beautician by the name of Danielle Heath came forward claiming that she also had an affair with David. Yeah. So on the 11th of October 2004, Danielle, who was at the time 22 years old and working as a beauty salon owner, told the Sunday Mirror that she had twice been seduced by David at his home, which is a new detail we have not seen with the other women. No, and she did say that she and Victoria Beckham had apparently become friends after Victoria booked in to have a treatment at her salon. Danielle! Victoria then invited Danielle to come to their home to apply fake tan. And what's pretty wild about this story, according to Danielle anyway, is that when Victoria first introduced her to David, she said... David, this is Danielle. Danielle, this is David. You've probably shagged her already. Interesting. Danielle told the Sunday Mirror that she and David slept together at the family's home in Spain on August 30. She said they were intimate again on September 21 after she had been flown out to Madrid to give David a spray tan for a photo shoot. How bougie that you're flying out a spray tan to a different country. And can we just stop here on the timeline for a second? Because this, if true, if Danielle Heath's allegations are true that she also slept with David, David Beckham is an idiot because he was doing this only two or three months after that horrible month of April. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And we don't know if it's true. We need to put that on the record. David denies these claims. 
if true, I agree with you, not the best. Again, cost-benefit analysis. Like you couldn't have kept it in your pants for just six months. You That's it. You couldn't have just like, but even like be more selective with the people you're sleeping with. Like this woman is going to the press and naming herself. You would think there is some kind of arrangement, some kind of process put in place to make sure the people you are sleeping with are going to keep their lips closed. It is a theory of mine that potentially Victoria and David had an arrangement where maybe they had an open marriage and maybe in 2004 this was not an idea or an approach to relationships that people were going to welcome with open arms. Like this is a very regressive time. We covered that when we spoke about Rebecca Lewis being bisexual. Maybe they have an open marriage. But why are you sleeping with people who are 22-year-olds who are then running off to the press and getting a big payday. Be smarter, David. Yeah, there's a real lack of foresight about (laughs) many of these decisions. And to make matters even worse, Victoria actually announced that she was three months pregnant with the couple's third child on August 29, which is around the time that Danielle says she was sleeping with David. Well, it was the day before. So Victoria came out, told the press, I'm pregnant on the 29th of August. Danielle says she slept with David At the family's home on August 30. UK paper The Evening Standard wrote that Victoria, who is expecting her third child, was deeply distressed at this new accusation only months after Rebecca Luz told of her affair with Beckham. A friend said she was in tears throughout yesterday and was concerned about the effect on her baby, which was due in March. Her mother, Jackie Adams, was said to have shouted at Beckham on the telephone. It is interesting because as much as you can say, well, Could they have just had an open marriage? Definitely what they were feeding to the press anyway was Victoria Beckham is distraught at these allegations. Mm, David Beckham denied these allegations yet again. In a joint statement with his wife, Victoria, the couple said, it is even more distressing when we are expecting our third child soon. The allegations are completely and totally untrue and the matters are now in the hands of our lawyers. They added, we are sick and tired of people trying to make money out of our family. Yeah, it should be noted as well that much like Rebecca Luz and much like Sarah Marbeck, Danielle did make money off telling this story. She reportedly sold the story to the Sunday Mail for about £40,000. Now, while David and Victoria didn't split... The allegations definitely had an impact on their relationship, Mish. Yeah, in 2007, they did a photo shoot and interview with W Magazine. In that interview, the journalist obviously wanted to raise questions about all of these scandals, particularly the Rebecca Luz one. The journalist wrote, When the scandal is raised, Victoria's eyes shoot a look that could turn a man to stone. Without blinking, she responds forthrightly. I'm not going to lie. It was a really tough time. It was hard for our entire families. But I realised a lot of people have a price. Looking slightly sheepish, David remains silent, but seems to grip Victoria's hand more tightly. Really interesting quotes, those ones. I mean, Victoria also told the magazine that they got through the scandal together. She said, no one said marriage was going to be easy. Yes, there have been bumps along the road, but the fact is we've come out of everything we've been through much stronger and happier. It's even better now than when we were first married. After all these years, we can just come home and have a laugh together. It really should be noted that this was three years 
ish after all of these cheating allegations really came to the fore. So you could argue that in that time, they actually were able to heal, that they were Mm. able to come together and sort of find that friendship and that relationship again and trust. Yeah. And also find what was hopefully a healthier relationship with the press. She did say in that interview, we just look at the pictures, to be honest, when it comes to stories about them, they kind of just put up this wall between them and the media and said we will not indulge no matter how stupid salacious silly realistic a story is we're simply going to stonewall everyone and pretend it doesn't exist yeah and for a while that kind of worked for a while they stonewalled the press for a while things settled down for a while we didn't hear anything about david beckham (laughs) and then we heard it all again but we are going to get to that after the break what a segue good job (laughs) i'm tired (laughs) Zara, you teased it out so expertly before the break, but before we get to more scandals, where is David at in his career at this point in time? Yeah, exactly. So David continued to play for Real Madrid until January 2007 when it was announced in a huge deal that he would be leaving to head to the Major League Soccer for LA Galaxy in America. Now, this was big news because the US is not particularly known for its soccer. Well, at least it wasn't at the time. They've definitely created far more of a competitive environment over there. But at this time, this was huge, right? This was huge. David was 32 as well, which, yes, is kind of reaching the latter years of a sporting career, but it's still pretty young. Like he still gave up some really peak times in his career to go over. So Victoria and the rest of the family officially moved with him to Los Angeles. They weren't going to have a long distance arrangement anymore. They were going to fully commit to all living together in LA. The family were preparing to move when they did that magazine interview with W Magazine that we referenced earlier. During the photo shoot, someone on the crew asked them, what part of Beverly Hills is your new house in? To which Victoria smoothly replied, the best. Do you remember this? No. Really? No. This is one of my earlier celebrity moments of when Posh and Bex were taking America. Like Mm. it was so big. I would have been like 12 or 13 and I remember reading it in the magazines being like, how will they fit in? How will they go in Beverly Hills? I read these like dumb tabloid reports of Victoria throwing big bashes at their big mansion to try and make all these American (laughs) Hollywood friends. It was big. It was like Britain and Hollywood coming together. The couple settled into a $22 million house. It was 13,000 square feet. It had six bedrooms. It was sort of Mediterranean style. It was decked out with a screening room, a tennis court and a pool. Victoria insisted to W Magazine that, and I quote, We didn't want anything too huge, too fancy, too ostentatious, rather something quite practical for the kids. It's a light, happy house with a great corridor the kids are going to love when they go roller skating. Imagine thinking that that's like, she's describing this like a beachside shack. It's It's a shack. 13,000 square feet. Yeah, she also said she was sold on the home's prime location between the seaside, training field and school and, of course, the luxury retail store Barney's. Of course. Despite moving countries, David and Victoria really couldn't shake 
the tenacious British press. W Magazine wrote in 2007 that reportedly several London tabloids are relocating reporters to Los Angeles just to cover the couple. Back home in England, after all, readers maintain ravenous appetites for the slightest Beckham tidbit. Even a new hairdo, of which David has had many, is front page news. Imagine being so powerful and so newsworthy that people are moving country just to be near you, just to write silly tabloid articles about your haircuts, what you wore that day, what's going on. Crazy stuff. And it wasn't the end, of course, of these cheating allegations that we've hinted to. The next cheating claims actually came from a sex worker by the name of Irma Nikki in October 2010. She told InTouch that David Beckham had hired her to have sex with him five times at hotels across London and New York in 2007. Now, Irma gave some pretty egregious comments to the media, including, again, but not limited to, Comments about Victoria's weight and slim frame. The women Mm. who were allegedly sleeping with David were going at Victoria's body. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot that those women probably need to work through internally. It's hard to even make any kind of analysis on why you would do that, like why you would already inflict the pain on going public with an affair story but then inflict the further pain of needing to personally criticise the figure and the body of another woman. Beckham's lawyers did deny these allegations again. They added that the claims were false and defamatory and caused David great mental anguish and emotional distress. His team said that the allegations were ridiculous, slammed the quotes as lies and completely untrue. This is a different tact that we hadn't actually seen from David up until this point. Yes, he denied all of these stories up until this time but he went pretty hard for Irma. It is probably important to note too that Irma didn't really have any evidence to prove her version of events and there were parts of her story that didn't stack up. For example, she claimed that on one occasion he answered the door and his hair was damp after a shower, right? But David's lawyers claimed that that couldn't be true because at the time, and there are photographs to prove it, (laughs) David had a grade one haircut, meaning it would have dried almost immediately. But this was honestly to what level there was analysis about this story. Also, it's the first time that David went to sue any publication. And you could look at that in two ways, right? You could say, okay, maybe this wasn't true if he really went to great lengths to sue the publication. Or you could say he went to great lengths to sue this publication because he could see that they had far less evidence than any of the other publications that ran these stories. Yeah, for sure. So he did sue the publication for running the story, seeking $25 million US in damages. In February 2011, though, the case against InTouch magazine was thrown out in an LA court after the judge decided that the article was in the public interest. Now, this is an interesting one because... American defamation laws and what you can publish in the US is worlds away from what you can publish in the UK and particularly here in Australia. The US really has this approach that if someone's intentions are right and good, they can effectively publish what they want and that light will be the best disinfectant. Yeah, basically how it works is unlike in Australia, in the US, defamation laws are much more favourable to the defendant. And in this case, the defendant was the publisher and they are much more favourable to the defendant, especially in cases where the other person is a public figure. So the plaintiff basically has to prove, so David Beckham would have had to have proven that there was actual malice on the part of the publisher 
that they had either known that the information was false or had a reckless disregard as to whether it was false. And that's a pretty hard thing to prove. Very hard, very hard. In fact, the magazine even argued that Irma's account was entirely consistent with Mr Beckham's reputation as a serial philanderer. Basically, they argued that the claims were believable to them because they lined up with so many claims from previous women. We just would never see that here. We would never see that, being able to say, well, he's cheated in the past, so it must be true here. In 2012, a year later, rumours also surfaced again that David had an affair with the opera singer Catherine Jenkins. Catherine herself actually took to Twitter to deny the allegations. So this is another kind of layer to the story that we haven't seen yet. In every other story we've seen about David Beckham cheating, it's the women going to the press selling their story. In this case, there were rumours on social media for the first time ever because it's 2012 and suddenly we're using social media. Welcome, Twitter. (laughs) Exactly. And Catherine goes, no, this didn't happen. I'm going to release a statement. Yeah, this is different as well because Catherine Jenkins, to the best of our knowledge, is the first public figure to actually be connected to David Beckham. These other women coming out don't have public profiles. The public really doesn't know who they are. Catherine Jenkins was and is a prominent opera singer. So this also would have damaged her personal brand. She wasn't out looking for extra publicity. In fact, if anything, she wanted the publicity to entirely go away, which is different from the other women. Yeah. So she said that she'd only met David twice, one at the military awards in 2010 and another on a night out in West End in February 2012. She said in this statement, we were out in a group of friends and it was just a normal fun evening out. Just so we're clear, I have never been on my own with him and never arranged to meet up. Fun fact, one of these nights, apparently Prince Harry was there too. Yeah, this really was like a fire for a couple of days and then completely vanished. Like it's quite hard to find any details about that now looking back. Yes, social media was ablaze with speculation. There was a little bit of smoke around. But because Catherine shut it down so quickly, it kind of ended very, very soon after that. Now, not much happened. 2013, 2014, as far as scandals were concerned for the couple. In 2015, Victoria did a big interview with Grazia magazine, though, where she said that she and David had suffered persistent cheating and divorce rumours for their entire relationship, and yet they had nothing to prove. I kind of see what she means by this point. I mean, it's 2015. They've been married for years. They've endured that many rumours. By this point, it's like, well, so, yeah. It's like no one's, yeah, like nothing can really stick to us now. We are Teflon. Exactly. She said, I have never listened to or commented on the rumours about any aspect of my life. I am blessed to have a wonderful husband and beautiful, healthy, happy children. Yes, we travel a lot with our respective businesses and charitable commitments, but we always make time for each other as a couple and as a family. We love each other, look out for each other, and are strong as both partners and parents. I am blown away by how formidable this connection in this relationship has been. Like I cannot think of another celebrity couple who has had to withstand this amount of just relentless media bashing. And I'm not saying the media should have left them alone and not reported on these affairs. Of course, the affairs are so interesting. I'm just impressed that regardless of what their arrangement with each other looks like or what the reality behind the scenes is, they have stuck together and never really faltered. Yeah, they must get along very, very, very well, like really well because they must have a connection that they both keep coming back to because otherwise why stay together this long? Yeah. Like there is nothing to say that these two have to stay together if they don't want to be together. In 2017, David did tell Radio 4 that they had renewed their vows 
but did admit, and I quote, of course you make mistakes over the years. We all know marriage is difficult at times and it's about working through it. Whenever we've come through tough times, we talk. He also addressed the sceptics who assumed that they only stay together because it's better for their business. He said, do we stay together because it's a brand? Of course not. We stay together because we love each other and because we have four amazing children. You would stay together as a brand for about six to 12 months. Oh, you, I swear to God, like, yes, some celebrities are brand oriented. They kind of have to be. It's their job to be. Could you stay with someone for like 20 something years because you're interested in your personal brand? No, No. this is not a PR marriage. I flatly refuse to believe that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there are many people, though, who are thinking that now. Like, Mm. I really don't think you can look at them and be like, yeah. (laughs) Now, it felt very much around this time between maybe 2012 to 2018 that maybe Posh and Bex were going to evade scandals now. Mm. Maybe there'd just been so many cheating rumours that even if they came up, we'd be tired of them, that we wouldn't believe them, that it was just done. But in 2018, there was a really strange infidelity rumour that emerged that alleged David was having an affair with the school teacher of their six-year-old daughter, Harper. Now, what was so strange about this is there's no real way to track where the hell this rumour came from. It wasn't like someone went to the press. It felt very much like a Twitter rumour that blew up. Yeah, I remember this because we were working in digital media at the time. And it was just like the definition of a storm in a teacup. I remember the day at work, we were reading the tweets, we were reading the social media commentary and very, very quickly it went from David is having an affair with Harper's school teacher to David Beckham has gotten the teacher pregnant and a divorce announcement will be coming from the couple imminently. This was so intense and so pervasive that bookies stopped taking bets on whether or not the Beckhams were getting a divorce. It was treated as a sure thing. Yeah, it was like the world's biggest whisper network. That's the only way I can possibly Mm. describe it. And again, as two people working in digital media at that time, I thought, well, this simply has to be true. Like how can a rumour gain this much steam? if there's not something behind it. But then when we went back, right, and tried to dig into this rumour in the last couple of weeks, we've been like, how did this even originate? Like, how did this blow up? One of the earliest tweets making the allegations came from a user called Lee Mara, who said, right, apparently David Beckham has got his daughter's teacher pregnant and they are getting a divorce. They also added, can't say how I know, but I know. (laughs) How something like this can blow up to be an international story where we are waiting for an imminent statement from Victoria and David blows my mind. Yeah, and to also influence markets, like for betting companies to be so influenced by a social media storm that they stop taking customers' money. We know that betting companies want all the money in the world. That's insane. Now, this was so rampant online that the couple did have to release a statement about it. They couldn't ignore it. But when they did release a statement, they came out perhaps harder than ever. They called the online rumours a crock of shit. Yeah, they said, there is no statement due or divorce. This is just fake social media news. This is all very bizarre and an embarrassing (laughs) waste of time. I have to say... (laughs) 
As someone who drunk the Kool-Aid back in 2018 about this story and definitely thought it was true, in 2021, going back to sort of research it and deep dive it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. I'm so stupid. We are so stupid. I think this was absolutely embarrassing. It was a crock of shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, the father of the teacher at the centre of this all as well, the poor teacher, also blasted the online gossip as nonsense. He added that his daughter has never even met David, end of story. When asked about the rumours by The Guardian in January 2019, about six months later, Victoria said, it can get quite frustrating, but I leave it to my PR team. I don't get involved. Now, Zara, happy to report that is the last cheating rumour that we know of when it comes to David and Victoria Beckham. We can all take a deep soulful breath. The cheating stuff is officially behind us. What else is there? Because we've covered the marriage of the Beckhams, but what we haven't touched on since maybe episode one, beginning of episode two, is the business of the Beckhams. Exactly. After moving around various clubs and countries, as we know, in May 2013, David announced that after two decades and a fortune rumoured to be worth about £165 million, he was retiring from professional football. He is widely regarded as one of the most memorable players of all time. And honestly, at least from the research that we've done on a holistic note, the scandals really didn't seem to affect his career at all. No. As for Victoria, she launched Victoria Beckham the label in 2008. She showed her first collection at New York Fashion Week that year. At first, the only thing the label made was dresses and there were doubters. There were whispers coming out that maybe she had cut off or bitten off more than she could chew. But very, very quickly, she proved everyone wrong. The label has been and was very, very quickly a huge success. To put her success into perspective, she started out by producing 400 dresses, so 400 items total to be sold at nine retail partners. Within two years, she was making 5,000 pieces to be sold at more than 300 stores worldwide. She has been very impressive in the fashion scene and I think you're absolutely right when you say she proved everybody wrong. She had more doubters than almost anyone. Like mm. Victoria Beckham, the person that historically Britain has seen as a little bit trashy, mm. was able to come out and really like nail her collection to such a level that people are like, this is beautiful. And it was different for Victoria. These pieces, Victoria Beckham's pieces are very well known for being simple and well cut mm. and refined and not over the top. They are really classy kind Timeless. of pieces. Yeah. And it was like the birth of a new era for Victoria. I think this label has done more for her personal brand. The type of clothes in this label as well has done more for her personal brand than almost anything else. She told The Telegraph in 2011, though I'm trying to take baby steps, the business is growing very quickly. Our turnover year over year has increased over 120%. I think to anyone's standards, that's very impressive. Netta Potter also told the publication that Victoria Beckham's dresses fly off their shelves. In 2011, she also beat out Stella McCartney, Tom Ford and Burberry to win Designer of the Year at the British Fashion Awards. Dare I say there's a lot of Kim Kardashian about that, going from that trashy persona to high fashion elite very, very quickly and proving the doubters wrong. 
By November 2018, Victoria Beckham's label was valued at £100 million, according to The Telegraph, and that year she told CNBC, there was two of us when I first started and it was just dresses, whereas now we've grown. It's not just dresses, it's tailoring, it's knitwear, it's a complete wardrobe plus accessories as well. I've learned a lot from my team and I've learned a lot about the business. I've had to. I hadn't done this before, so I've surrounded myself with the right people and the team has grown each season. She's also got Victoria Beckham beauty at the moment too. And she's not the only one who has become a business person either. According to the Mirror, David Beckham's various ventures, which all sit under a banner company called DB Ventures Limited, bring in about 32 million Australian dollars per year. The top of that tree is the fragrance division. I swear this is the, there are a few constants in scandal episodes, aren't there? (laughs) Celebrity fragrance and competing timelines or shady timelines parents who we don't really like all that much or like siblings who do dumb stuff in the public eye. And a bunch of foreboding quotes. But for now, it is fragrance. And David Beckham's fragrances are amongst the top selling men's scents in the world. Yeah, currently today in a £31 million mansion in London. Their oldest son, Brooklyn, is a budding TV chef and engaged to his fiancée, Nicola Peltz. David even appears in his TikTok videos. We're feeling very 2021 right now. Their son, Romeo, seems to be following in his dad's footsteps. He has just signed his first pro soccer contract with American side Fort Lauderdale CF this year. Yeah, and as for their 22-year-long marriage, David and Victoria, at the very least, seem to still be happy and in love. David shared photos of them wearing matching outfits over the years to his Instagram in July to celebrate their wedding anniversary with the caption, 22 years later, still matching outfits. Happy anniversary. Love you so much. And thank you for giving me our amazing kids so we can all wear the same thing, which is again, a hint to the fact they always wear matching outfits. 22 years a fuckload of controversies and scandals and yet an enduring love for each other that has beaten it all. Yeah, incredibly impressive. Incredibly. Bravo, Victoria Beckham. Let me say, like, she is a tough fucking cookie to put up with this shit. I'm tired and it's been, what, three hours of recording or something. She's lived this for 22 years and she's still there and she's still in love with her husband and he loves her back. Yeah, it's so, so impressive. I would just love to know the machinations of that relationship and what kind of has gone on behind the scenes or behind closed doors when all of these stories have broken. But hugely impressive. What a story. I am also a little bit tired and I haven't even lived it. Powerade, please, someone. That is all we've got time for. A big thank you, as always, to our researcher, Justine Landis-Hanley, who we researched this alongside. We so appreciate your work. Mish, what can the listeners do to help us? Follow us on TikTok at Shameless Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Look through all our galleries, like our videos, helps out the algorithm. Thank you so, so much. And if you enjoyed this episode, Send it to a mate. Send it to a friend who you think might be interested and might want a trip back down memory lane with Posh and Bex. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Thursday with a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish 
stylish if you want to say it quickly, style-ish if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.